1: What's up, guys? This is the Talking the Draft podcast. I'm your host Connor Livesy. joined by my co-host tonight, Mark Schofield, who is back from Indianapolis, and we got we got a lot to talk about. Um, we're obviously, we're actually not going to start with the combine because today has been nuts. So, Mark Mar- Mark looks like he's ready to enjoy a nice cold drink, <laughs> maybe three or four boxes of cigarettes to just just uh, take the pain. No, but- I- it's been a day man i was on a call um
2: for something i'm working on and i got it's never good when the, the guy on the other line uh, of the side says like man you're gonna have to go buddy don't check twitter but you're gonna go to work and i'm like wait what are you talking about I'm like russell wilson's a bronco what what are you talking about but yeah we got we got two huge stories today obviously the first was aaron Rodgers. You know, and there's uncertainty about the exact contract. Rap Sheeta reported out what it was worth, and, and Rodgers right. has denied that. But he did announce on Pat McAfee's show that he stayed in Green Bay with a new deal. Then we got the trade um, with, with Aaron, with Russell Wilson, excuse me, going to the Denver Broncos in exchange for Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, Drew Locke, and a whole host of picks. And so now that will probably change the way the top tens going to look because instead of the Denver Broncos picking at nine, now you get Seattle. Is Seattle done moving? Do they draft a quarterback there? Do they sit tight and just roll with Drew Locke? So there's a lot of uncertainty there. But obviously, Connor, a massive day in the NFL.
1: So I wanted to ask, actually talk to you about this. I was going to text you about it. But then while I was texting you about when we were going to record, you are like, let's just record now. So I'll ask you now on the podcast. What are your thoughts on the Russell Wilson trade? Cause I don't, I don't dive into quarterbacks like you do. Like that's like your right. like forte. But when I watch Russell Wilson over the last two years, I'm like, it's not that good. Yeah, that's like kind of
2: where I'm at, Connor. Right? Like, he's still a good quarterback. Right. Right. But is he like all of this draft capital and you know all of these players that they're giving up? That's a lot. Now I, I think if you're Denver, you're looking at your team and saying, we just need the quarterback and. Right. Maybe we're not getting, you know, 2016, 2017, 2015, Russ, 2014, whatever version of Russell Wilson. But even the guy the last two years is going to be good with what we've got around him with Jerry Judy, you know, with Javante Williams, with Cortland Sutton, with Tim Patrick. Like you've got a ton of talent around him. You've got a pretty good offensive line that, you know, you might have to add one or two pieces, but. You know, you could take that version of Russell Wilson, you're the guy that I think you're right, wasn't the elite talent we've we're used to seeing it from in the past three years, and he could be a winner in Denver. Now, you know, the only thing to keep in mind is you've got Justin Herbert twice, you've got Patrick, Patrick Holmes twice. Like, this is going right, to be yeah. a tough division. And the memes and tweets are already going out. Yeah, Russell Wilson went from being the third best quarterback in the NFC West to the third best quarterback in the AFC West. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't necessarily go that far, but. Maybe
1: um, yeah. sometimes, I, you know, there's an argument to be made. Right. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that's why I was kind of, cause again, like I kind of talked out of both sides, which I hate doing that, but right. when that trade happened, I was just like, I don't know that I would have done that trade. And then I was like, but I understand Denver's going all in and I appreciate them for doing that. Cause you know, being a Cowboys fan, sometimes you're like, why don't we do things like that? Right. And again, not trading for a quarterback, but why don't we flip the cap switches to not, Cut two of our best players after we just had came off, you know, like, like again, you know, like speaking of
2: people that are going through a Connor's timeline the past 48 hours, it's been something
1: (laughs) brutal. But, um, no, I mean, that's kind of how I'm with you on that because it's just like, I mean, three years ago, you're like Russell's top two quarterback in the NFL, top three quarterback in the NFL, and the last year and a half, you're kind of like, yikes, yeah, just hurt. Is it the scheme? Is it the play calling? I'm sure all that has a combination of it, but he hasn't been the guy that he was here recently. And again, it could be injury. It could be multiple things, but I, like I said, it's kind of a 50, 50 thing for me where I'm like terrible trade or good job, Denver. I appreciate the, the, the aggressiveness and let's see what happens here. Cause it yeah, could be out great.
2: I, I think if you're Denver, we all know, look, the copycat league, all that stuff. Right. Denver just saw Stafford and they saw the Rams go yep. all in. And you know, they're probably thinking, look, this is an opportunity for us to do the same, right? The quarterback piece was the missing piece. Drew Locke didn't work out. Teddy Bridgewater didn't work out. You've now got an opportunity to get after Rogers, perhaps the second, uh, the Watson thing is obviously its own little thing, but perhaps the second best quarterback quote unquote available out there in Wilson. I mean, it's a guy that's still posted at adjusted net yards per attempt. I think 7.11 last year, which was eighth in the league, you know, ahead of Mahomes, ahead of Herbert, ahead of, you know, Kyler Murray, and some other really good quarterbacks. And so he still can put up numbers. Now you're going to have talent around him. And, you know, he's only he's 33, same age as Stafford, basically. Yeah. You know, it's not like they're doing this for a 44-year-old Tom Brady. Right. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, I, I kind of understand it. Like you said, like maybe we're talking on both sides of our mouth. It's not – he's not a top-two quarterback right now. But he's yeah. still pretty darn good. Right. And a team went all in with a pretty darn good quarterback and just won a Super Bowl. So that's probably what Denver's thinking.
1: Yeah, no doubt. So how's this going to impact the draft that's coming up in about a month and a half? It, it's That's kind of the question now. Is Right. I think – I mean, there's so many moving pieces right now. I, I think for Seattle,
2: I don't think that – I've already talked to some people that don't think that, A, that they're sticking at nine you know, that they might even trade again. Because it does look like you're, you're hearing- Back or up, though? I think back to get more picks. Okay. Because they got a lot of work to do now. And you're right. hearing that Tyler Lockett might be on the move now. Maybe, you know, they're actually going to go up. I guess there's a scenario where they're saying, because I don't think we got to- Drew Locke's not the guy, right? Uh, Like They're not going to sit tight with Drew Locke. And so do they sit tight at nine? Do they move up a little bit? Do we think that they have to move up to get a quarterback or will like Malik Willis be there at nine? Right. You know, I just got done doing a mock and I had Willis still there at nine, but maybe he's not, maybe he indeed goes at two, at which point, you know, they're either talking themselves into QB two or they trade back again. I don't know.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, that's what like the wrench that just got thrown into everything. And it's not, it might not even be directly correlated to the Seahawks. Like right. we talked about the Rogers thing, like does love get traded to a Carolina Panthers or a team in the top 15 that doesn't think they can get their guy, you know, the Steelers, like, yeah, I that mean, could the be
2: Steelers. An- that's the one that first came to mind. Like the Steelers at 20 because Tomlin, you know, he said it in Indy, you know, he said it a lot of different places. Like, it seems like he wants a veteran. Right. I don't know if they're going to sit there at 20 and say, Desmond Redder works for us. I think he could, but I think they're going to want to get a veteran. Maybe they try to make a move for love. Now Carolina's interest in Tepper. Their owner said that he wanted to take a big swing. The two biggest swings are gone. Now maybe Watson is still out there. Maybe that's what they are waited on, but I don't know. Does, does Jimmy Garoppolo count as a swing? I don't know. Maybe you'd rather right. go get Jordan love. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, if you're Green Bay, Connor, what do you do with love? Do you hold on to it? I've I've seen some people in the Green Bay media market say they're going to hold on to it because thirty eight year old quarterbacks can get hurt.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, like you said, it's kind of a tough situation that they're in. You drafted a guy in the first. I mean, again, it was a, what the last pick in the first round or one of the last picks in the first round a couple of years ago, and. You just signed your quarterback to a four-year deal for 200 million, what, right. you know, whatever those details are. So, and and again, like there's all this talk about the league doesn't like Jordan Love anymore and he hasn't played at all. So it's like, well, do we trade the guy that we took in the first round for a fourth round pick maybe like, right. you know, so it's just, it's a tough, I just think, like I said, the wrench that could be thrown through all of this is just so interesting because you got, you got the Steelers who could be picking a quarterback. you got the Bucks who could be the Saints who could be taking quarterbacks, you know, and, which, again, like, those teams are drafting a little bit lower down in the draft order. Like, do they now trade up into the top ten to make sure that they get their guy? Like, it just – not even the uh-huh. whole, like, trading picks from Denver to Seattle thing. It's just, like, who's going to – like, who's going to make the next move? Because it seems like it's always a domino effect with stuff like this. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. And- they,
1: get, they get that ninth pick and then the Saints are like, crap, we got to get up to eight now because we really wanted Malik Willis or whatever it is, and he's not going to get there now. So, it yeah. could be a domino effect type of fall here.
2: Yeah, and, and, you know, we, we see quarterbacks get pushed up boards all the time, you know, and now that that market seems to be drying up, teams are going to overreact. Like, it, it seems going to talk right. itself into giving up future stuff to go up and get Malik Willis, who, like, a month and a half ago was a fringe first-round guy, you know? And Willis, to his credit, has had a great, you know, senior bowl week, had a great combine. I think Desmond Ritter had a good combine as well. But we're seeing these guys start to get pushed up boards. Do we see now – guys like Strawn and Howell, who were right. like, in my mind, on the outside looking in, now do they sneak into the first round? After all this talk of Connor, a bad quarterback class, a down quarterback class, um, do we end up seeing five or six or four more guys in yeah. the first round than we expected?
1: Yeah, I think we had four in our mock draft the other day with, with you know, Pickett, Willis – uh, Corral and then we had Hal go right at the end when we did our mock draft on the on the podcast the other day and you know that that could be a real possibility and it's funny because like I don't know where you're at with it and how you do your grading and all that but like I, I pretty much just grade especially the quarterback position like I don't put positional value in right my, yeah, my grade so like you know yeah. obviously if I did Malik Willis would be a lot higher than he is but Malik Willis is my first graded quarterback and he's like 40th you know and yeah, <laughs> it's just nuts that yeah. you're going mean, to have you're going to have guys get. I mean, like how is a I think he's right outside the 75 for me. I got like Willis at 40 and then um, for me, it's Willis, Pickett, Corral, Hal. That's how I have them, and, and Ritter, uh, Ritter and then Hal, excuse me. And like all five of those guys are from like 40 to 90. And it's like there's a good chance that four or five of those guys go in the top 32, which is. Which that's is great for teams the, like the, 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 the end of the first round and early second round who are not drafting quarterbacks and want good players.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's just the positional value. We've talked about it here. Like the team that ends up going first to QB, whether it's at two, at six, at nine, wherever, that player that they draft might be in the 20s or 30s on their board. It's just the positional value right. of the quarterback spot makes and those are, guys
1: get overinflated. Are we going to be here next year?
2: You know, right. Like, we don't want to be here. And as as easy as it, it is to sit here right now at the start of March in 2022 and say, Yeah, with CJ Schroud with Bryce Young, with Phil Jakovic, like it's gonna be a better group. We don't know that for sure. Right. I mean, this time last year we were like, Man, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, that's one two in the draft. Like those guys yep. are gonna be great. And here we are. So you don't know. And so it's like, well, might as well at least get this guy now who we'll get him a year in our system and roll from there. It's crazy. But that's for for teams like the two that we're fans of, the Patriots and the Cowboys, you know, that means at 21 and at 24, guys at other positions that are very good players will probably be there.
1: And we're going to get into the combine in just a second, but I wanted to touch on one more thing. I've heard you mention quarterback at two a few different times since we started recording. Is that you think that's legit picking up some steam?
2: I do, Connor. Um, I, I feel like that switch kind of got flipped in Indy. Um, I'm still of the mind that Kyle Hamilton like makes sense for Detroit at two. And I know Hamilton didn't test well, and we can talk about that. But I still think he's one of the best players on film in this class. Um, so I still think the line's going a different direction, but... You know, more and more mock drafts from people in the know and more and more of the talk around Indy late at night was like, yeah, they kind of like Willis. Um, And, you know, if you're Detroit, you're not going to wait at 32 and roll the dice or like try to get up. If you like him, you draft him at two. And apparently they like him. And that does seem to be getting steam.
1: Wow. That's. Yeah. That would also throw a wrench in things, I feel like, because then you really start to hit the panic button if you're a team in the teens or 20s looking for a quarterback and they start to fly off a lot earlier than we expected. Um, Yeah. You did give us a good segue, too. You talked about Kyle Hamilton. You talked about how, you know, great player on tape didn't test. Not that he tested bad. He just didn't test to the level that you thought he would. Right. That's a common theme for a lot of these guys. A lot of these good, highly ranked players coming out of Indy, Traylon Burks, Kenyon Green. um, I'm sure I'm missing a few, but like, those are the three names. I mean, even Aiden Hutchinson's like getting crap for testing. Well, he just didn't run a 4-4 and he didn't run a, you know, he didn't jump out of the gym, I guess is what people were disappointed in. But my Twitter timeline is filled with Traylon Burks is slow and not explosive. That's not what we need in the draft. And I'm like, Look, he didn't test. Like, I guess if you just look at the numbers, you'll go, okay, yeah, he didn't run super fast and he didn't jump out of the gym. Slow and explosive are the two least – like, that. that's at the very bottom of the list of the things I would use to describe Traylon Burks when you turned on his tape at Arkansas. Yeah,
2: and, like, I, I literally just got done right in this, this sort of sentence or two. Like, what do you value more? What he did in shorts and a T-shirt and Lucas Oil or – Running away from the Alabama secondary and pads and helmet in the middle of a game on an SEC Saturday. Like, is four five five blazing fast? It's still fast. He's also two twenty-five. Like yep. Yep. it's not like he's 198 posting a four five five. I mean, thirty-three inch vertical is it, you know, the best vertical of the group? No it's still pretty good and you see him on film with a very impressive catch radius and the ability to sort of turn back and locate and the back shoulder ball. And so, you know, I think it's a matter of, does indie really translate to NFL Sundays or are you going to draft a guy to be a track star or to be a wide receiver? And I I think, I still think Burks is a first round guy. Um, If I'm, you know, Dallas at 24, and he's there. I think about it, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, people are probably going to overthink it now. I mean, I've seen the same things about him, Kyron Williams, Hamilton, obviously, Green, even Hutchinson, like you said, although I thought his three-cone kind of made up for it because that's what you're worried about for a guy coming off the edge. But, yeah, I mean, we overreact to Indy. People are going to now draft, you know, Tariq Wolin, who I like. They're going to draft him 40 spots before they probably should because of what he did in shorts and a T-shirt.
1: Yeah. And and I guess it's just so frustrating because like you hear every year, it's like, well, don't overreact to what happens here. You know, like don't move a guy 40 spots because he runs fast. And then now I like, I like both players a lot, but now I'm hearing that Zion Johnson is the no doubt. Oh, you know, offensive guard one. And I'm like, Kenyon green is really, really, really good. He can play multiple spots. He didn't test as well as Zion Johnson and I like Zion Johnson, but I think that that is, What's wrong? I guess what's wrong with it's not the combine's fault, but what's wrong with the combine yeah. right now? Strelinbergs think- is slow, is non explosive, and Kenyon Green sucks because he didn't test as well as. Yeah, thought. and I also <laughs> think you need
2: to remember the combine format had these guys meeting with teams in the morning, right. benching in the early afternoon, then doing the forty, then positional drills, then some of the other stuff after it. That's the long day, and I do think that like yes, pro day times, and games get inflated or you're going to see some of these guys that maybe didn't have the best 40, maybe didn't have the best three cone or whatever drill you're worried about do much better at their pro day. Perhaps than you would even expect them to do, given the sort of inflated pro day testing times we see it. So, you know, I, I think, you know, don't overthink it and don't count yeah. stuff twice. Like, you know, using the Woolen example, he's fast. Okay. We saw that on film. Don't count it twice. Like, and you know, I, With Hamilton, it's like I saw the dude go one hash to the opposite sideline for an interception in the middle of a game in full pads. So he didn't run a great 40. And maybe this is more an indictment on Notre Dame strength and conditioning coach because Kyron Williams didn't test well. But, like, I saw what I needed to see on film. I'm not going to worry too much about a safety that I saw go sideline to sideline on Saturdays and say, oh, well, since he ran a bad 40 in one night, he's off my board.
1: No. It's also crazy to me, which I get, it does matter. And it doesn't, it doesn't to me. Again, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth again, but what did, what did Hamilton run a four, 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 five, five, nine, I think if Hamilton ran a four, four, nine, he'd be talked about like the best combine generational prospect, a a 10th of a second makes people go from terrible to elite. And I'm like, that's not like, if you, if you run a race, the difference, the way those guys finish is like, inches you know yeah. like it's just not I don't know it, it I hate that that's what we have we've we've turned into but I, I get it because we wait all off season for this event to pop up it pops up and we have high expectations for these guys when they don't meet them you you want to throw out the, the takes I guess but
2: if Hamilton runs 4 4 at his pro day in a couple of weeks their narratives are completely gone all right the idea that he's slow is completely gone and some people might say oh well you know it's wind dated it's no Dame I, I, I think the box would be checked yeah. like yeah. and also he's like a, a safety it's not like a corner running four five nine where you're like well he's just gonna get beat over the top on nine balls it's a safety it's it's different his awareness his recognition his ability to read quarterbacks like that little half step you know the tenth of a second if he reads the play right and gets ahead of it with his eyes and his mind, he makes that gap up with his mind right. by getting there a step early, or or starting his break a step early, and so yeah, the, the, the overthinking we do it all the time. We say we're not going to, and we do it, and here we are doing it again.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Um, let's talk about some of these guys that did impress us because we've kind of, I guess, we've been negative to start, but uh, dude, the Georgia defense. I mean, just we don't even. Need I to mean, go. Yeah, all of
2: them, man. <laughs> I mean, I wrote in my winners and losers piece. The Georgia and conditioning coaching staff, like they're the winners of this week, man. Yeah. When
1: your punters running a faster forty than yeah. Kyle Hamilton, I mean, and again, like it's crazy. Like Devontae Wyatt's like the sixth guy that you bring up, and he, I mean, not the freakiest workout, but like that's a great workout for an interior defense lineman that's three hundred nine pounds. Yeah, You're ran a four seven seven, I think it was, and like the the explosive numbers were good, but. Yeah, when you have Jordan Davis at 341 pounds, just I mean, that's just absurd. Trayvon Absolutely. Trayvon Walker's numbers probably were more impressive to me than Jordan Davis's just because like he's 6'6, 275 pounds. You know, yeah. like when you look at the when you look at the three cone for that, I'm just like, how? Right. That's nuts.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was very happy though to see Davis's 40 just because you know we'd seen the fact that he's right. fallen like he's just a first and second down guy. Like, what are you going to do right. with him on third downs? It's like, well, you're going to keep him on the field on third downs because a guy that size can get to four, seven, eight on the 40 like with a 10 yard split in the elite category. Like, he can get after the passer, and I think his floor is now 17. Like, I don't see a way. He gets past the Chargers at 17. I keep thinking about Baltimore at 14. Like, yeah, that that's a Baltimore Raven pick right there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Walker and Wyatt, those three guys have like pretty much cemented themselves into the first round at this point. And it's probably to be expected. You know, that was such a good defense. But I thought those guys did extremely well. The two tight ends, uh, Jelani Woods uh, from Virginia right. and Okonkwo from Maryland, they tested extremely well. It's, it's yeah. a... You know, it's a weird tight end group that we've, you know, we've talked about it a bit, you know, but those guys might've got themselves into perhaps like the day two mix with what they did. You know, Olave and Wilson, I think tested well, you know, Olave's initial, I was at dinner when that 40 came across in the four two and it's just like, Whoa. And yeah, I could adjust it, but we thought those guys were fast. They tested faster than I think we expected though. Um, So good weeks from them. So those were some of the guys that stood out to me. Uh, What about you?
1: Um, I, I know he didn't do, but the 40, but I was glad to see Kyrie Elam run well, because yeah. um, that was one I had some questions about, you know, there's some, some, some tape of him getting beat a little bit down the field. So you're wondering like, okay, is it a slow thing? And he ran a four, three, nine. So that kind of cements that is okay. You know, let's see why he's getting beat deep, but it's not because he can't run. Um, you mentioned Tariq Woolen, which we knew he was going to test really well, but he probably exceeded those expectations yeah. as well. Um, and that's just a guy for Cowboys fans. Like they don't dra- draft small school guys often, but that dude fits the prototype for them. Tall, yeah. long arms, big, runs fast. Like that's what they want in their secondary. Um yeah. Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati. Yeah, I did not see that freaky one workout. Yeah, Sky Moore ran four four one. I think it was jumped out of the gym like. I mean, again, like we talked about, Kenyon Green not testing well, or test not testing, you know, as good as some of the other guys. But like, if you're a Cowboys fan, or even a Patriots fan, like you're drafting at the end of the first round, some of those guys who are like borderline, you know, are we sure? Jordan Davis, he didn't even go yeah. in our first round mock the other day. But if yeah. you're the Cowboys or the Patriots, and he falls, I mean, again, they, I know they, they, Christian Barmore is in New England, but. Jordan Davis is there at 24 now. It's like, absolutely. You, you know? to the podium.
2: I mean, <laughs> right. even with Barmore, I mean, you have Barmore and Jordan Davis next to each other. Forget it. I mean, yeah, yeah that, that was a, a huge job from him. Um, you know, interestingly enough, I think Desmond Ritter tested really well. He
1: did. And I did not see that coming. Like, I don't love Desmond Ritter. Like, you know, when I watch his tape, I'm not like, oh, big, huge fan of this guy. But I feel like he's still, like, disrespected a little bit.
2: I do, too. I do too. I mean, I think he's going in the first round. I, I, it's weird. Like the Willis buzz, obviously what Kenny Pickett did this year. It's like this guy led his team to the
1: playoffs. Like. And made some really better. nice throws in that, in that Alabama. I mean, like there was a few throws he made in that Alabama game that I was just like, this is going to help him. And it didn't, <laughs> and for some yeah. reason like no one really talks about. Yeah. You know, I feel like but,
2: his, his senior bull kind of hurt him a little bit. because right. like, Willis had such a good week and you know, he was really the talk. Like but I, think I just feel like the senior well.
1: bowl for quarterbacks is always such a tough thing, man. Like, yeah. like it is like, I mean, Josh Allen at the senior bowl, people thought he was, you know, nobody liked Josh Allen at the time, but people thought he was going to like separate himself there. Cause he's got the big arm and like, yeah, didn't have that great of a senior bowl week. Baker Mayfield, yeah. like didn't have that great of a, you know, which I don't know. It's just a tough thing. Cause you're throwing to guys you've never thrown to before you're doing things on offense that you've never done before. So like you said, like, I think it that definitely had a lot to do with Ritter, like the the steam kind of cooling down. But I just – I love the senior bowl. I value it. But, like, for the quarterbacks, it's almost just, like, it's such a tough environment that they're thrown into. Like, yeah, you're throwing it, the guys that you have no clue how quick they are, how how quick they snap their routes off, like, how they run their routes. It's just a tough thing to do.
2: And Carson Strong actually talked about that a little bit. He said, like, you know, the the combine was, like – a, a nothing experience compared right. to the Senior Bowl because Senior Bowl, you're like learning an offense you've never learned before. You're basically getting tested on at every rep. You're throwing at guys you haven't thrown to before. You know, you're you know taking snaps and standing in the pocket behind an offensive line. You don't know how the, that left tackle is going to hold up. You don't know how that guard's going to hold up. It's a lot of uncertainty to it. It's a lot tougher. At the combine, it's just like, yeah, you know, I'm here. I'm talking to the media. I'm going to do some drills. I'm going to throw like it's a much more controlled easier environment and so these quarterbacks that go to the senior bowl like you can help yourself matt jones helped himself but it's a tough thing to do and you know you've got all the football media and all of the nfl like scrutinizing every single rep it's tough
1: yeah no doubt um i want to close out with the linebacker group um we got an interview coming up at the end of uh this podcast uh with the linebacker in this draft. We'll keep it a keep we'll tease it here at the end. But um I thought the linebacker group tested really well too. I mean, Troy Anderson ran a 4-4-2, Christian Harris ran a 4-4, uh Channing Tyndall ran a 4-4-7. I mean, just dudes Quay Walker tested well. Lee, Leon uh Leo Chennault tested a lot better than I think a lot of people expected. Um, being that he's kind of that prototypical, like inside linebacker run defender um, but he tested extremely well I mean did any of these linebackers stand out to you and really catch you off guard um, as far as like okay like for me it was Christian Harris like I, I knew he was athletic I knew he could play but like seeing those numbers that he put up I was like damn like we're talking about him like top 50 but did he just work himself into the first round
2: I think he did. I was really sort of surprised by how well he tested. I mean, guys that I thought really tested well. I mean, I I think, you know, Harris stands out there. I mean, just the way he tested, the way he moved, the numbers he put up, I was really sort of impressed with like what he did. And I think, you know, maybe it doesn't get all the way into the first round. I mean, because off all linebackers and how that position sort of been evaluated Um, but I do think that that speed is something that translates and, you know, you go back and you see a number like that and you look back at the film and you're like, okay, well, I don't want to double count it, but like, yeah, he's fast on film and it certainly showed up here. That's certainly going to help him. I, I had a show this morning. There was like, you know, Dean's size. Is that going to be a concern for teams that I don't know? um i I still think you're getting a heck of a football player if you draft him but i i feel like some teams are going to look at him and say he's more of a safety but like what do we do with him he's just like tweener type um so i'm wondering how you feel about that but i think harris was the guy that helped himself the most chanel of course obviously the guy's massive i mean he's just a freak um you know and all those wisconsin guys are huge and gonna put up massive numbers when they're benching but i think harris is the guy that really stood out the most
1: yeah, like Troy, I mean, obviously Troy Anderson, you know, tested well. I just think he's a guy where you, you count it, you know, and it's not a situation where you're counting it twice, but it's just like there's things on tape that are going to not allow him to be talked about. You know, Christian Harris got good tape, and then you tests like a freak. So it's like not to say that Troy Anderson's tape sucks, but he's a, you know, he's a raw player. He's got a lot of work to do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, I, I – I've become more excited about the linebacker position over the last few years because I felt like it was getting into the like running backs category where nobody cared about it, and it was like, oh, we don't want to, you know, you don't want to spend a first round pick on a linebacker, and it's like, yeah, of course, you know, if you're drafting a guy to play two downs or whatever it is, you know, but you know, we we did it last year with Michael Parsons. We talked how you know bad pick, you picked a linebacker in the top fifteen, and it's like, wait a second. He also can get you double-digit sacks. So, like, if you draft guys like that that can do multiple things, that can rush the quarterback, that can cover a little bit, like they don't have the athletic traits to do more than just play the run, the linebacker position can be valuable. We just saw it with Micah Parsons. We see it with guys like Fred Warner, um, Levante David. Like, those are good linebackers who can cover. They can blitz. They can tackle. They can do all those things. So, it was nice to see – I mean, like – the. We keep talking about the Georgia guys, but like Channing Tindall, Quay Walker, they tested well. They measured in well. I think that that's big for those guys um, is, you know, day two linebackers, early day two linebackers. Uh, Brandon Smith out of Penn State's another guy that we knew was going to test really well coming out of Penn State. But again, he's like the Troy Anderson for me. He, he's probably worse than Troy Anderson for me because there's, there's so much on tape that you don't like. Right. He's a guy that looks the part, but, Damn, if he doesn't play like it all the time. So, for me, it's like it's not even a raw thing for him. It's just like, is he physical enough to play three downs or play at a high level?
2: Right. And then, you know, there's a guy that you're going to be talking to in a couple of minutes. He tested extremely well. I mean, with yep. a four, five, six, with a 1.6 unofficial 10 yard split, also a 36 and a half inch vertical and a 10 foot broad. I mean, that's, you know, linebacker out of Oklahoma. And so he tested very well. And sort of watching him over the past couple of days, another guy that's like sideline to sideline, can move extremely yep. well, great nose for the football. Now, a bit undersized, um, yep. but I think he's somebody that in the modern NFL, when it's all about sort of playing in space, he fits what teams need.
1: Yeah, and you know, that's Brian Osamolo, Oklahoma linebacker. Um, he's gonna be on with us just in a second. But yeah, it's really it was really refreshing to talk to him because you know, I asked him some questions, you know, like, Hey, you're building a linebacker in 2022. What do you want them to be able to do? And he's like, you know, he, he worded it in a different way, a longer way, you know, but he's pretty much like, you got to be able to play on three downs, whether it's yeah. coverage or it's rushing the passer. If you can only defend the run, you're not valuable. And like, we kind of went back and forth on that. And I was like, that's a great way to explain it. You know, like yep. value, especially at linebackers, super important. You know, if you're only going to be on the field for, 50% of the snaps because you're a liability in coverage or you can't rush the passer. That's an issue. And, um, he talked to, you know, about the intelligence of it and, you know, some of the things you want to improve on, which kind of lined up with my weaknesses for him, just to, the overall like hand placement and physicality when taking on blocks, he was like, that's one thing that I really want to get better at. He says, you know, you know, I'm fast, I'm explosive, but I do want to, you know, be more physical taking on blocks and be able to, you know, disengage off of blocks when I do get manned up on. And, and he was like, that's something I feel like I showed at the senior bowl. You know, he won linebacker of the week at the senior bowl and, you know, something he's kind of working on going into the offseason. And, you know, again, a guy who I think has got a shot to go top 50, top 60 now because he yeah. tested well, he's, he's one of those day two linebackers that I think a lot of teams are excited about.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, somebody that, you know, like we said, tested really well, shows up on film, maybe a little bit undersized, but, You know, if we're talking about Dean going in the first round, I mean, and if you're, and we've talked about Dean and how, you know, teams would value him, even with these size concerns, if you're a fan of him and you can't get him in the first, you get this kid in the third,
1: I think you're going to be pretty happy. Yep. No, I agree. I mean, I, I definitely agree. So we're going to turn it over to Brian, myself. Uh, Mark had a hectic day with Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, all the, all the news popping out, so he couldn't join us. But we do have a lot of cool interviews coming up. Um, probably every week we're going to be posting one of these at the end of our episode. So stick around and get to know these guys, because a lot of people always want to know about them after they're drafted. But why not learn about them before so you can, you can learn some of these? You know, we, we talk a lot. Not just about, you know, their college programs, but we talk a lot about technique, we talk a lot about scheme, like you, you get a lot of good information out of these interviews. So stick around and here's our interview with Brian Asamoah, the Oklahoma linebacker.
3: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team.
1: We're pleased to be joined by Brian Asamoah, the Oklahoma linebacker. How you doing, Brian?
4: I'm doing fantastic, man. Blessed to be on this call.
1: Yeah, man, for sure. I know you've had a hell of a week, hell of a last couple weeks. Um, and I kind of wanted to start there. You know, you had a great showing at the Combine. Um, that is a hectic week, I know, uh, from talking to guys throughout the years. But can you just take us through that week, kind of the, the thoughts, uh, you know, of the Combine, of the meetings, of the drills, of the – Workouts, everything, you're kind of involved in
4: it? I think the the best part about the combine is just, you know, having that invite. Uh, only 324 people get that invite. And to see that I was one of 324 in the entire country, I think it's a complete blessing. Um, so that, that's what I would like to start off with. And then, I mean, going going into that combine weekend, man, I mean, you worked eight weeks for this moment right here. So, I mean, let's your preparation. Take over the opportunity that was presented for you. And I forgot I did that. Uh, I mean, other than that, man, it was a, it was a great feeling to uh, communicate with a bunch of NFL GMs and, you know, head coaches and just, you know, get familiarized with the people around the league. And it was just, it was, like I said, it was a cool opportunity and a, a good feeling.
1: You mentioned, like, the training that you put in beforehand. Where did you do your off-season training at?
4: Exos, Arizona.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, it's one of the, the bigger and better ones out there. So um, I know that, you, you know, pretty much when the college season ends, you go straight there and you start getting ready for – you know, the 40s, all the – you know, they, they kind of take you through with the gauntlet of the drills and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the biggest takeaway from that that, that whole preparation for the combine? Because I, I know a lot of people are like, okay, you're drafting these guys to play football, but a lot of this leading up to the actual draft is how fast do you run, how high do you jump, you know, all of that. So, like, how do you balance the combine, like, you know, that that whole aspect of the the 40s, the, the three cones, all of that, and then aspect of, like – Playing football, learning up on the, you know, diving into some of these teams' schemes and seeing what they do and seeing how you can be used at the next level?
4: I think the most important thing is understanding that it all takes effort and technique. Uh, That's something that I honed on when I went to Exos, Arizona, was, you know, try to maximize everything. And, and, you know, maximizing everything starts with effort. And now let's sharpen up the technique so then you have effort and technique. So those are the main things for me going in. Um, And I feel like I I honed in on those things and I did those things and, you know, sharpened a lot of my skills. Uh, The things that helped me to become a football player as well was like going into that senior bowl week uh, where I was, you know, uh, you know, blessed to have coaches, you know, like the Jets coaches who helped me enhance my skills, um, you know, competing with the best of the best, which, you know, raised my raised my bar to a higher level because, when competition comes, you know, I, I get alive, so um, that was also a fun experience. And another way that you know, I can continue to get better, but you know, mentioning the 40 and, and I thought the 40 and you know, all the other drills, I feel like all that is an evaluation to determine you know what type of football player you are. I mean, if, if those things didn't matter, then you know, while they have a big, a big, um, a big thing about it, you know, NFL right. combine where. That is, you know, assessed and those things are, are, are shown and those things are recorded. If it didn't matter, then we wouldn't have an NFL comma. You know what I mean? We'd just be drafting guys off the film. So all those things are just an evaluation of the type of person you are, the type of football player you, you, you can be, and, you know, the skill sets and athleticism you have. I think that's the stage where you get to display all those things. And, uh, you know, I feel like going to Arizona, going to the senior bowl, all helped me prepare uh, for the NFL con, but also just helped me in future references as well.
1: For sure. And I want to get into a little bit of the senior bowl just because that's such a big week. And it, I think it's a great week of preparing the you know, I know you're a redshirt junior, but the, the upper class guys coming into the combine because the juniors and sophomores who don't go to those all star games, they don't have the the opportunity to go through that. So I know that that week is a you know exceptional week as well. But I want to touch on the combine for just a, a minute longer. I mean, obviously, you're an athlete. It shows up on tape. Um a lot of people talk now like is the combine overblown and I'm with you on it. Like, I think it's still really important um, because it, again, like, yeah, like fast dudes might not run as fast as you think they are, but like, they're still fast. Like you watch the tape and you see, And, (laughs) and again, like I've been doing it, like a, a lot of people now are like, well, tra- different player, but like, they're like, Traylon Burks is slow. And I'm like, did you not watch Traylon Burks play at Arkansas? Like the last thing mm-hmm. you can say about that dude is he's slow, but he didn't Bats. run a four three. So now it's, you know, it's overblown. Um, how tough is that for, you know, you, a guy getting ready to get drafted going into the week and like, you have that pressure of like, okay, I know on tape tape am fast, but I have to run fast. I have to, you know, run a good three cone. And, like, obviously you tested well, but is there pressure on you heading into that week to know that you have to perform above expectations?
4: Honestly, I feel like pressure is a privilege. Um, you know, when pressure is put on you, that means a certain standard or a certain um, – they 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 have high aspirations and, or high hopes of, you know, seeing the things that they want to see. And I feel like, like I said, the preparation that you put in, you know, gives you an opportunity to display all those things. When you're not when, – when you feel like you're pressured or – uh, or you don't feel comfortable. That means you're not fully prepared enough. Like, you know, going into that common I was pretty prepared. Um, you know, ran a decent time. Four four was my goal. Um, Felt short of that. But at the end of the day, man, you know, to the next. You know, the, the the film speaks for itself. Like you says, right. or like you said. And I mean, I mean, other than that, man, you can't control w- what happened last week, man. That the only time, to- the only thing you get to control is the day. You know, right now. So you got to continue to to put your best foot forward for this day that you've. Um, that you have and then continue to just continue to move forward and you can't you like I said you can't control what happened in the past man it is what it is just not only my perspective but I mean the person that you mentioned earlier um you know he he has another day to handle because God, God gave him another day of life so he's got to put that past him and just continue to move on
1: forward right yeah good good I love that answer I mean we're uh we do NFL draft coverage as a whole, but we cover the Cowboys a lot too. And uh, Dak Prescott, mm-hmm. quarterback for the Cowboys, always says pressure is privilege. You know, it's it's something mm-hmm. he always he always says. So I always love that answer. Um, I don't know if you can disclose any of this. I'll ask it anyways. But are you Let's able see. to talk about the teams you talked to at the combine? If you can't, can you kind of just give us a rundown of how those meetings went? Maybe some of the common questions you were getting asked. Um, some of the schemes that they saw you fitting in and, and some of the coverages they saw you kind of fitting in with?
4: Yeah, I, I met with a, a bunch of teams formerly, um, you know, all around the league. NFC, AFC, that didn't matter. Uh, we went over film, film, uh, you know, asking about my family background. I'm just really trying to understand the type of person you are when you, you're simply just trying to hire someone, you know, for a job. So just those general questions. Um, and I feel like I answered all those things correctly and well. And I feel like – um, you know those former interviews gave me an opportunity to like I said get to meet those guys that I watched on tv and seen them coach um, right. and, and just shaking their hand man and just telling them about my family and how you know I could fit in their defense um, whether if it's a man-to-man defense uh, whether if it's a zone defense I can come in and show you know my capabilities and things I can do to contribute to the team
1: and I know again you know like there's so many different defenses, so many different schemes, different responsibilities for linebackers to play at the next level. Um, was there something that maybe they – I talked to, you know, some scouts and stuff throughout, you know, the years of doing this, and they say that they like to kind of pressure you guys a little bit, like maybe be like, yeah, you're not great at doing this. We want to see, you know, can you? What are you how are you going to do improve on this by the time we draft you? Was there, like, anything there where teams might have, like – not tried to, like – you know talk down to you, but be like, "Hey, we want to see you do this better." How? What was that one thing that maybe they put pressure on you on?
4: For me, I know the things I needed to improve on going into the draft. Uh, going into the job right now, I knew, um, you know, just watching my film all over again, things that I could have done better was, uh, block destruction. Um, and an opportunity for me to get better at my block destruction was the Senior Bowl. And if you watch the Senior Bowl tape, um, you yeah. know, it, it displayed it displayed a lot of film of me using my hands correctly uh, and, and shedding a lot of blocks from, um, guys that, you know, I projected, you know, top, top 15 in the NFL draft. So, um, like I said, it gave me an opportunity. I feel like I, I did that. And, um, you know, we, we here now. <laughs>
1: yeah, no. And, and that was kind of like, we we're going to get into the senior bowl and that's kind of a theme I get from talking to you guys over the years is like, you kind of get that constructive criticism, if that's what you want to call it, you know, from, from, mm-hmm. you know, NFL or from your college coaches or what they're hearing, and uh, you kind of go into those all-star games and really kind of show, okay, like I've improved on this from the end of the college season or, and it's so hard. Like when I watch you guys at Oklahoma, like that defense is tough to evaluate and then like project how you guys get into the next level, you know, cause you see guys mm-hmm. like Perion Winfrey and Neville Gallimore is a guy in Dallas that, you know, like you watch you guys on tape and it's like, man, like they, they don't always ask them to do the things I think they're best at. And that might, you know, not, 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 not criticize the scheme, but that's just what, you know, when you evaluate it, sometimes it, you see that. Yeah.
4: And... Um, I mean, I feel like everything you're saying is, is, is true, but i um, at the end of the day, man, whatever defense that you're in, man, you got to go out there and execute what the defense is. So you really can't, really can't get mad at what, you know, the call sure. is. You just got to go execute the call, no matter if it's, it's putting you in a bad position or it's making a different position look good. Um, you know, not idolizing your skill set at the end of the day, man, the defense is caught and You're in, you're on that tape and you gotta go you gotta execute the call, and make a play. So I mean it is what it is, man. You just continue to move on and just try to put your best foot forward.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you had a great week down at Mobile. You 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 improved on some things that you wanted to kind of improve on. Um How big was that week for you in this evaluation process for the coaches to just see those things you improved on, but also just see you around a lot of the best players in the country? You know, obviously you played Oklahoma, you're a great player, putting you in a room full of those guys, you really get to stand out. And I feel like you did that. Um, How big was that for you for your evaluation process?
4: Uh, Like you said, man, I did did feel like I stood out, um, you know, winning linebacker MVP of that week, Um, kind of displayed, you know, all the hard work that I put in, not only at Oklahoma, but you know on that on that big stage in front of a lot of NFL scouts and GMs and you know just NFL teams, you know, with the lines and and, and jets who coached me. Um but yeah it gave me an opportunity to just present my, my capabilities and skill sets within, you know, playing football. And that's running sideline to sideline and, and covering uh you know tight ends and, and running backs extremely well. You know, those those are the things I possess, you know, and, and the things that I want you know teams to see. And those teams got an opportunity to see that up close in person. They got a, uh, they got an opportunity to see me run sideline to sideline up close in person. They got an opportunity to see me guard tight ends, running backs up close in person. And like I said, I I showed my capabilities and the things I can do on the field. And I feel like the Senior Bowl is just a great stage because it's you know the best of the best in the entire country. Um, And you know I feel like I I held my own and I exceeded and I, I did you know what I needed to do. I did what I wanted to do was winning a linebacker MVP going into that, knowing that, you know, this is something I wanted to accomplish. And I did that. Like, like I said, the senior bowl gave me a great opportunity to to show uh, NFL uh, reps, you know, the talents that I have and um, what they're getting from me when they draft me.
1: Absolutely. Definitely a uh, great answer. Um, so I wanted to, you touched on like the coverage aspect of playing linebacker and that's become probably more important over the last two or three years than it ever has been because you got, so many of these athletic tight ends, so many of the running backs nowadays catching the ball out of the backfield, and you know you can't play dime defense all the time. You, you just Thanks. can't. You got to have linebackers on the field that can cover, they can run, they can hit all the things that you do really well. Um, from a coverage standpoint, kind of put yourself in the shoes of an NFL linebacker now covering a guy like Travis Kelsey, who's almost mm-hmm. a big slot. He really doesn't play that inline role, but you might be forced to go out wide and cover him. How do you cover? Like how would you step up and cover a guy like Travis Kelsey in a man coverage opportunity? Is it is it pressing covered- him at the line? Is it giving them you know, cushion and then kind of crowding them at the catch point? Like for you, what like your your ideal plan of covering some of those big name tight ends nowadays?
4: Um, you know, it's it's kinda of hard to discredit, you know, those big name tight ends <laughs> because they do it they do it in the NFL, you know, against you know, other um NFL athletes who are, you know, in the league and who are excelling in the league. And, I mean, those guys are having a hard time covering Travis Kelsey himself. Absolutely. So to sit, to sit here and just say, you know, I'm going to come in and just, um, you know, guard him. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a phenomenal tight end. Um, but the things I'm going to do to, to I guess, uh, shut him down or, or, or slow him down or stop him uh, was just, you know, understanding the game, where he is on the field, the certain route concepts I can get from, uh, you know, his alignment on the field um, and and just, you know, relying on my man technique, whether it's pressing him, whether it's giving cushion and understanding that I have uh, speed and I can use speed to my advantage when covering these big tight ends. So um, it it all varies, man. And, you know, like I said, man, he's a phenomenal tight end. uh, And that matchup is something that, I I mean, if it presents itself, I can't wait because it's, uh, you know, he's one of the best tight ends and, Uh, going against him and and me being able to to show what I can do um guarding him will will be uh huge and uh if if, when I do um (laughs) when I do guard him and and I handle my own uh I mean you guys gonna see type of technique and stuff that I use to be honest
1: and you and I love how you touched on like the pre-snap alignments and all that first because I think that Mm -hmm. when you turn on your tape you see a guy who's he has great football IQ. Like the instincts are there. You, you sniff out screens all the time. You kind of, you're a step ahead of what's going on. I think that's what one of the things that makes you a great linebacker. Um, And just to hear you kind of, you know, reassess that is like, Hey, when I'm I'm across from a guy in coverage, where's he aligned at? Like what kind of routes does he normally run from watching tape before this and see where he's going to go? Like, okay. You know, he normally runs a slant out of this, or this is, where he lines up and they throw the screen to him. So it's not kind of cool to see, like, like I said, when you turn on the tape and you see how you diagnose screens, or you see some of the zone blocking things and you can see where to go, what hole to hit. It's uh, it's kind of mm-hmm. cool to hear you kind of confirm that, that, that with the coverage aspect of it, it's also a pre-snap, just, you know, being a intelligent football player, not just, Oh yeah, I'm fast Mark. and athletic so I can cover. <laughs> 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 it's like, like, I mean, like you said, though, like, these all these guys in the NFL are fast and athletic you know so it's you gotta be smart you gotta be fast you gotta be athletic you gotta be physical it's just it's it's so it's definitely a a leap and to hear the you know you putting a lot of emphasis on the intelligence of the game and just football IQ is always always it reassures me in my evaluations that okay this guy's a smart football player he's gonna be a step ahead of all these things
4: no doubt no doubt I mean I mean it's like playing corner you know you don't Jalen Rebully doesn't rely on his you no know, god given abilities he, he studies the game and you know just watching his um his uh interviews and um you know his his play by play uh on the field communication he just under- he, he understands the game he understands this guy if he's lined up 5 by you know 5 by 6 and, and he's 6 yards you know away from the sideline he understands that he can get like, a lot of different concepts out of that but All right okay, he's, he's on the right side of the formation. You know what I mean? he It's three by one and he's this now. So all those things kind of matter because, um, you, you know, a lot of guys, like I said, a lot of guys are talented in the NFL. A lot of guys aren't just super athletic freaks. They're all student of the games. And, you know, that's what separates you from being a, a good football player to an elite football player. It's that, you know, Absolutely. instincts. It's that knowing the play is about to happen before it happens, understanding the type of route concepts that you can get um, from a certain formation. And those are things that's going to separate you.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I want to, we haven't really talked about Oklahoma, but I do want to kind of dive into that a little bit. What, what led you to Oklahoma when you were coming out of high school and going through the recruiting process?
4: Um, so you, I was recruited by Oklahoma. The reason why I chose Oklahoma is because I felt a connection with, uh, Tim Kish um, and Mike Stoops guys that were from Ohio, uh, Youngstown state. And they knew, um, you know, kind of my background, um, And then when I got, when I took my uh, visits, um, I just felt, you know, a connection, the family environment, the tradition, that the opportunity to win championships there was all the things that were appealing to me and the things I wanted to accomplish when I got there. So, uh, I mean, we, we handled, you know, probably like, you know, two thirds of that, you know, winning big 12 championships. And the main goal was to win the 90, but we didn't handle that. But just, like I said, having the opportunity to go to the playoffs several times and, and showcasing my abilities at the biggest stage was, you know, something that was evident, something I wanted to do.
1: I know he's not there anymore, but I do got to ask Lincoln Riley question, you know, obviously a big name in in college football. A lot of, of, uh, I guess you can say criticism surrounding that now that he he left. What's it like being a college, you know, I know you're getting ready to go into the NFL, but being a college athlete nowadays and just knowing how that kind of whole business works, was it frustrating for you? Did you understand it? How'd that whole process come down?
4: Honestly, I think he made the best decision for him and his family, and you can't knock him on that, man. You know,
1: if anybody gets the opportunity
4: to make a decision that's, that he feels is best for him and his family, he's going to take that 100% of the time. So, uh, like I said, he truly made the decision best for him and his family, and, you know, all you can do is respect that.
1: And I'm just curious. We hear a lot in the NFL, like, it's almost two separate teams. You got your offense, you got your defense, you got your special teams. Coaches in the NFL, like, if you're an offensive head coach, you don't have a ton to do with the defense. Is that a similar thing in college, or is is not was he involved with the defense a lot, or is it was it more of a split aspect to it? It's
4: kind of, it's kind of a split. You know, he was an offensive minded uh, right. you know, coach, so he handled a lot of the offensive stuff, and you no know, Grinch handled the defensive stuff.
1: Sure, sure. All right, a few more for you, and then we'll uh, we'll get you out of here, man. I know you. Uh, like I said, you had a crazy last week, so you're probably just decompressing. <laughs> are, are you back at home? Or are you uh, you still yeah, in Exos?
4: I'm I'm actually back at Oklahoma. Right, let me get these lights back on.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. So you're, you're, you said you're back in Oklahoma.
4: Yes, sir. I'm actually in the facility right now. I was watching some film.
1: Nice. Cool. Cool. Um, so now that you're talking about watching film, I know you're spending a ton of time watching probably film of yourself, watching some, like, what, what do you watch film of nowadays? Is it your tape? Is it other linebackers tape? Is it NFL defenses tape? Like, what do you watch? How do you, how do you evaluate film nowadays?
4: So, wait, so which one you said am I watching, um, who am I watching, what type of film am I watching right Like, are you
1: now? watching yourself, trying to improve on that, or are you like, let's, you know, do, do teams give you, hey, I want you to study our offense, so when we bring you back on a, you know, 30 visit, we're going to talk to you about how you do, you know, like, just kind of take us through, like, what you watch nowadays in the film room.
4: So, right now, um, a lot of the questions, a lot of questions that's being asked is just me, you know, communicating about my defense. So, I just go rewatch watch um, a lot of my films so I can um, give them the, excuse me, give them the, you know, the bits and pieces of you know why we did certain things in this place when they when they do you know come back to you know watching my film and right. I have to answer ask or I have to answer questions about the questions they ask uh, to you know defend this cause or explain why we did this why I did this in a certain instance. So those is, this is, that's why I'm watching film, um, but I haven't you know got an opportunity to uh, you know watch a bunch of NFL uh, defenses right. and explain you know to them so, or offense to explain. <clears throat>
1: So my favorite question to ask, especially linebackers, but I try to ask it to every position group that I have on the show is build me your best NFL linebacker in 2022. And the reason I ask is because you ask, if you ask a fan, like if you ask anybody who, who watches football, evaluates football, like who's the best linebacker in the NFL, you're going to get a different answer pretty much every time, you know, like there's mm-hmm. the Fred Warners of the world who, cover out of their minds. You know, they run really well. They can play the run. There's now you got guys like Michael Parsons nowadays who are playing as an edge most of the time, half the time. And then, you know, so there's just so many different ways to go with it. But from your point of view, what's the 2022 version of the best linebacker look like?
4: I think it's me. Um, You know, the ability to run sideline to sideline and cover uh, being a, a real three down linebacker. Know, possessing all the skill sets that I have, is the new age linebacker. That's why I always say I'm a new age linebacker because I can do all those things, cover, I can run sideline to sideline, play the run. and Three down I mean, player. Go out there and blitz as well. So uh, I like, fight, you know, new age backers. is everything I possess in, in, in playing the game of football.
1: Yeah. And that's, again, another thing I have in your report is, you know, we talked about the football IQ, the instincts and all that, but three down player. Um, mm-hmm. Guys who don't come off the field, I think that that, that is a super important you got guys who are really good against the run but when it's 3rd and 7 are they on the field Are they on the sideline like that right. presents value and the NFL draft is all about getting guys who help your team and have value and i think anybody value. who can who can play special teams and can can stay on the field for all three downs is is a valuable asset nowadays
4: just yes, sir. no that no doubt no doubt at all
1: I do want to talk about special teams real quick, and then we'll kind of wind things down. Um, how important is that for you to maybe show or talk about how special teams can be a role for you? I know linebackers have a big role in special teams. The best of them do. Um, you know, getting drafted, a lot, of te- a lot of guys are expected to come in and make an impact on special teams right away. Can you talk a little bit about how important special teams is to your game?
4: I love special teams, and I played it a lot. At Oklahoma, I played – Uh, kick off and punt and you know punt's a a unit where you know their most trusted individuals on that unit and I was one of those trusted individuals I did that for about two years um, started and and made plays on both units so um, you know I love love special teams because you know you just go out there run and and either cover somebody or go out there and just run full speed and smack somebody I think that's the the fun part about special teams that I like.
1: Love that answer again special teams is just something that a lot of people kind of wash over but it's just such a big big reason that these teams are successful especially in the playoffs if if you don't have good special teams it's hard to win um and again like i think you you know again i don't know how big of an nfl fan you are but you know the green bay packers had one of the worst special teams units in the league this year and they were a first round elimination because the san francisco 49ers had a good special team so they kind of Mm -hmm. it's 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 a big thing in the nfl how big of a nfl fan are are you are you a guy who watches games on sundays after playing on saturday yes sir so, I got to ask you because it just happened. Did you see about the Russell Wilson stuff?
4: I did. Uh, I mean, that's crazy, but, hey, <laughs> I'm happy for, for them. Obviously, the deal went down for a certain reason. Um, but, I mean, you know, he's on the team.
1: Yeah. It's, it was weird. I was getting my computer set up to record, and I looked over on the computer, and I was like, holy crap. And my Aaron Rodgers stuff happened earlier, and Mike Williams just got Dude. paid a ton of money. So, you're, you're probably chomping at the bit to, to get rolling. It's,
4: it's going down, man.
1: It is, man. All right. Last question for you to get you out of here. Guys you watch, guys you study on tape, you know, either in college or NFL guys that you kind of model your game after. Um, I hate to, I, t- I hate to ask that question. Cause so many guys nowadays are trying to be their own person. You know, they want to be able to do take stuff from everybody, but is there one guy or maybe even a couple of guys that you turn on the tape and go, okay, this is kind of, this is what I envision myself playing like in the NFL.
4: Uh, I watched three guys, Levante, David, um, Devin White and um, Fred, uh, not Fred Warner, sorry, Darius Leonard. Uh, okay. Those three guys in particular, why? Uh, you, know, you know, Levante David is a guy that can cover and, and also play the run in uh, an, an elite level. And I feel like those are things I can do and things I will be doing. Um, Devin White, because he plays fast and physical whenever every play. I feel like I possess those skills, not taking any plays off and, and running sideline to sideline. And then Darius Leonard, because I'm trying to punch that ball out, trying to perfect that. And you know, takeaways equal victory. So those are things I want to do.
1: Awesome, man. I appreciate your time. I mean, it was a great interview. Um, really nice showing at the Combine. I know you got a pro day coming up. Are you going to do much more at the pro day? Are you kind of going to sit on all the numbers of the Combine?
4: Are you going I'm going to do bench because I do bench and then do some drills. So.
1: Okay, cool. Good deal. Well, we'll, yes, be, uh, we'll be following along on that. And myself being a big Cowboys fan, a lot of people listening being big mm-hmm. Cowboys fans are hoping you don't have much of a – uh i travel to 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 find your next home in the nfl <laughs> i know it's not too far across the line there so uh
4: nah, 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 nah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well cool man appreciate it uh we will uh we'll be following you out throughout this process and, and really looking forward to seeing where you end up in the drive thanks for the time
4: yes sir thank you
1: have a good one
4: take care